0: Welcome
1: aboard the battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. and thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? Still looking for. now, it's only been. We're recording ahead of time. Yes. Right now, a little early, um, so I'm still looking for a young listener to give me a Snapchat tutorial. Oh, that's true. I need, yes. I need our youngins out there. Yeah. The kids. The like. The hyper millennials. Yeah. To call me up. Not really. You e- send me an email. Tell me how to use Snapchat. Hey, speaking of millennials and such, I know we have a guest. We'll get to him in a moment. Um, so speaking of millennials and Which such. Which we are, right? What was that? Are we millennials? Have we had this I conversation? Don't, I don't know.
0: I think I am. Real quick, without saying your name, how old are you, guest? I'm 30. 30? Yeah. What About to turn 30. I'm like a month from 30. You're almost 30. Almost 30, okay. 30. yeah. So we're old... We're four years older than you. That might be old enough to b- jump us into a different generation officially than I th- you. I think we're millennials. Okay. It's hard to know. Here's the thing. Here's let me. Okay.
1: We're like proto-millennials. Damn <laughs> right we are. I don't know okay. if that's a good thing
0: or not. But uh, <laughs> So here's a thing that you'll think is bullshit because I kind of do as well. So as you know, Jen and I watch Survivor. I know that. Yeah. And they will have themed seasons. Okay. Okay. The theme for next season starting uh-huh. in the fall, uh-huh. you know, I, we were probably going to stop doing Worth Playing For because I've, I'm going to be in school and stuff. Right, right. But what choice do I have but to keep it going when I'm watching Survivor Millennials versus Gen Xers?
1: Oh, man. That's going to be great. Will it?
0: Yeah. Here's what I predict. I predict at least for the first few episodes, you're going to get a lot of talk. It's like these millennials, these Gen Xers, Xers. And then they realize like, there's not actually that much
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: land between us, you know, and they'll
1: be fine. But I, I think know it, millennials, the new sincerity, you know, is that what it is? Yeah. That's the, they're, these are the millennials are more, uh, you know, earnest and, uh, positive people, I think, whereas Gen Xers are cynical.
0: Which leads me to believe that you and I are Gen Xers because I, I hear Ernest. I'm like, oh, it's like you guys, you're the world is going to chew you up and spit you out.
1: Yeah. You know what? I'm uh, I, I, I think I might be a Gen Xer in the streets, but a millennial in the sheets.
0: Uh, I, I hate you so much. So that's the end of the show. Right. And yeah. I mean the whole
1: podcast forever. Okay. All right. uh, We we have a guest, so real quick, let's pay some bills. Absolutely.
0: All right. This episode is brought to you by the film Woe, W-O-E, which has a running Indiegogo funding campaign. Woe tells the story of Grace, an elderly woman struggling with the loneliness of old age. She attempts to fill her days by keeping busy with household tasks, but dreams of being young again. Now, she believes she's found her outlet in her granddaughter, Sophia, who is young and beautiful... Everything that Grace once was. It's a film about how often uh, the people closest to us can go unnoticed. Now, uh, the budget of the film is only $2,500, so every little bit helps. There are less than three weeks left, so don't wait. Click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com to help fund Woe. This episode is also brought to you by Mubi a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Movies curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently playing, in honor of the recent passing of the greatest boxer who ever lived, is Bill Siegel's The Trials of Muhammad Ali, a documentary about the social and political controversy that followed Ali wherever he went. This is only one of the 30 great movies currently available at MUBI, and there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try MUBI free for a month. Just go to MUBI.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by Tweaked Audio, which provides you with professional quality earbuds in a vast array of stylish styles and colorful colors. Just go to to TweakedAudio.com to purchase your new earbuds. But wait! When you enter the offer code pretension, you get 30% off the already low price. So remember, that's tweakedaudio.com offer code pretension.
1: Okay, it's time to
0: commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety five at byte.com. Byte Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Tyler, do you want to introduce our guest? <sighs> well, you've asked me a yes or no, what if I say No. <laughs>
0: you know that's now puts Uh, me in a bad position our guest does not feel welcome if
1: you say no well we said we told him to be about an hour i think if you say no we then have to sit here for an hour
0: (laughs) and just talk more about millennials and that sort of thing yeah okay so our guest is a filmmaker and a teacher he's he's forming young minds right yeah sure sure Uh, (laughs) um His name is uh, Ryan Moody. Ryan, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks well, screener. thanks for thanks for being on. Yeah, of course. So we've got a lot of questions for you.
1: Okay. Well, let's start with the question I always start with. We have a first uh, okay. a guest on for the first time. Where are you from? I'm
2: originally from Warren, Ohio. Oh yeah. Um, was lived yeah, born and raised there. Um, I went to. Uh, college at ohio state in columbus lived there briefly after graduating buckeyes uh yeah hey yeah. all right yeah oh right. yeah that no it's the ohio state it's the ohio university. state university yes uh and
1: uh wh- where is warren
2: where, where in ohio uh, warren's warren? northeast it's right on the pennsylvania ohio border um about 15 minutes from that and then uh it's about an hour um east of
1: cleveland Okay. Kind, of, kind of by Youngstown. Kind okay. of by Youngstown yeah. I've never been to Ohio, but I, it's, uh, it's big, yeah. and all the major cities start with C. Um, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them <laughs> right? do. Cleveland, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Columbus. Cincinnati, Columbus. Cincinnati. Yeah,
0: yeah. David, Warren does not start with
1: <laughs> C. <laughs> I said most of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. The big ones. Maybe I the said big all ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> yeah. nice. uh, I have driven through Ohio to get, uh, you know, I was on my way elsewhere, but yeah. uh, it seemed nice. It's it's great. Doesn't I mean, nice.
2: um, you know, where I grew up was a very kind of uh, working class community. A um, lot of lot of steel mills. A lot of um, you know, um, my father worked for uh, General Motors for mm-hmm. a long time. My mom was a school teacher. Very working class sort of uh, community. It was a great place to grow up.
0: Well, I can see from your plaid shirt that you're holding <laughs> on to your your working class roots.
2: Yes, yes, I've, I've had this for about ten years. Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's in shreds almost. But, yeah.
0: Oh boy, if I could. Wear the same clothes that I wore ten years ago. That would be <laughs> really nice, but uh, they'd be a little tight, little tight on. Yeah.
1: Me. So, um, so, so, and then, uh, how did you? What's your? What's your early relationship with movies? How did you come to decide what um, you wanted to do? If I'm really taking it back, um, probably the
2: the first significant relationship with movies was, um, being like four years old and, uh, wearing out a VHS copy of the wizard of Oz uh-huh. with my brother. Um, just watching that kind of on repeat over and over and over again. I was a video store kid too. So every time my uh, mom would go to the grocery store, I'd tag along and then uh, hit the, the video store at the yeah. end of the, the grocery trip, you know? Um, so a lot of VHS um, that sort of thing. Um, I remember filmmaking the first time I I, I the concept of making something mm-hmm. um I think I, I could be getting the age wrong but i think i was seven years old i was at a pizza hut birthday party and the the person that was having the birthday party somebody got them a like children's book of making movies and it was kind of oh, like wow. behind the scenes photos from 1989's batman uh-huh. uh young guns i remember yeah. was was one of them <laughs> uh i can't remember what the other ones were and was um, it Young Guns too? It might have been. It might have been. Uh, I just remember Emilio Estevez as, as Billy the Kid and uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. It's a. It's a. I do distant like this, memory.
0: I do like this book that yeah. zeroes in on Batman, Young Guns, yeah. and Young Guns too, yeah, and nothing else. Well, it was. It was like
2: a. Uh, it was like a kids' book on how to make movies or how movies were made. Um, I th- I think some um, Spielberg movies were in there too, but sure. the, like the vivid memories were like a, a camera in front of a cowboy and, and that Spielberg being like, not- oh, that's that's not really a cowboy it's somebody yeah. that's like putting this together and that sort of thing and also batman's always been like a you know sure. big character uh you this, know as a kid and still to this
0: day this actually brings up something that i don't think about very often which is cuz you said the idea of the day that filmmaking as an idea not mm. movies yeah. but making movies yeah. as an idea first popped into your head that's not a thing we talk about very often yeah the way you just come to realize hey wait a second Right. I could do this. Yeah. Not necessarily even for a living, but just for fun. Yeah. You know, like you're you're in my case, my friend's uh, parents had like a video camera. Right. So like we were just kind of messing around with it. And that's when you realize, oh, I could like write something down.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then we could like say those words. Yeah. And then we're telling a story. Like yeah. I, it's it's like you kind of. Organically discover filmmaking, mm-hmm. then you realize, oh, it's been around a little
2: bit. Well, longer. another memory I have is, um, you know, I, my mom always watched the Academy Awards. And for, you know, the first few years that you can, you know, your conscious life, you don't really see the movies that are nominated for Academy right. Awards because you're a your kid, you know? Um, but I remember Jurassic Park being nominated for a couple. And that was like kind of the first time a movie that I yeah. really loved was also being kind of cloud or being awarded to these people that made it happen. And it's like, Oh, those people, the, you know, they're the magicians, like yeah. they're the ones that are really making it, making it go, you know, like there's, there's a, there's a craft involved here. There's a skill set involved here. Um, you know, and that was kind of a, that was another kind of small little piece of the puzzle into, to going along and on this career of, you know, becoming a filmmaker, um, was realizing that these things are, first of all, made not just existing in some kind of magical world you know on the tv screen or in a movie theater but there's people making them uh, or that they're a thing to be made at all and then there's also people that can make them that are making them so kind of realizing that was a was a big thing
0: the oscars were a big thing in my house as well yeah except i would pair what my what my memories were are paired with my mom's commentary on them so like for example uh I I cannot think of The Silence of the Lambs as a best picture winner without pairing it with my mom being very upset that Beauty and the Beast did not win <laughs> and just saying that uh, why on earth would the Academy go with such an ugly movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. instead of such a nice movie that people Yeah, I remember I
2: remember like. very passionately rooting for movies that no one in the house had seen, you know, just like just because yeah. they liked the actor that's nominated or they liked
0: the, you know, and it's just yeah. like, oh man you know, for just for that moment I also remember yeah. my mom being upset that Gary Sinise did not win Best Supporting Actor oh, really? and then it went to Martin Landau for Ed Wood, a movie she had not seen, but she just, uh she had a theory she, that didn't stop her from putting out a theory I'm I'm bashing my mom now yeah. I mean, I she was also a big champion of film in general she did, yeah. you know she let me watch ed wood when i was like not allowed to watch r rated movies Yeah. um but uh, her her whole thing was like oh they just gave it to him cuz he's old <laughs> you know and then you watch ed wood and
1: you see yes he martin lando is older but that performance is amazing it is yeah. but also knowing what we know like or assume we know about the Academy that's not actually that uh, far-fetched it's, it's an idea not far off they also the
2: love movies way. about movies too the, yeah, yeah. So it's a yeah.
1: trifecta here yeah. um, man I did not watch the Oscars at all as a guy. I think the first year I watched the Oscars was would have been in 98 when titanic was that was the first oscars i ever watched growing up as a kid the oscars seemed stuffy to me because it was like oh what remains of the day is nominated for something now Remains of the day is a fucking great movie (laughs) but as a kid i was like the oscars are boring uh i don't care about this um, yeah, I probably would have thought that had it not been
2: such an event, you know, um, yeah. my mom would just like, you know, get a bunch of, you know, like three bags of popcorn and then just like yeah. g- get us. And she would ex- be explaining what the movies were about or if she saw this one or if she saw that one or who this actor was. And so kind of that live sort of commentary, I think, was was part of it as a kid. And like, also just like, again, like the, just the idea of like a person made you yeah, know right. jurassic park that's go crazy yeah, yeah those
1: weren't actual dinosaurs yeah back yeah. to what you were saying yeah. about uh, having a book i yeah. remember in elementary school like buying like for 25 cents at like a used book fair they had at my school yeah. a book that was aimed at kids that was about movie special effects yeah was, like before cgi and yeah. stuff and it was like how do they make a planet explode or whatever right, right. how do they like and i remember it uh uh, specifically saying, cause even as a kid, I was like, obviously I'm not that dumb. Yeah. They're like, don't worry. Your favorite actor didn't really get blown up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, They're like, it's a stuntman jumping on a trampoline away from an explosion yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, the idea that the writers had to be like assuaging our yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> fears about, Oh no, that act. Although that reminds me, I just reminded myself of another, of another story. Um, my little brothers, uh, my littlest brother, and he was really little at yeah. this time. Uh, We liked the Mighty Ducks. I liked the Mighty Ducks. I liked the Mm -hmm. movie as a kid. But do you remember the... Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's the older guy... Emilio Estevez. No, the older foreign guy who owns the... Uh, the I think the, it's Sven the in the in the movie. I don't know what the actor's name yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And He owns the sporting yeah. food store, and he's also the guy who gets well, shot in the Well, the
2: first the of- one it's Hans, I think, and then the second okay. one it's his Cousin Sven. <laughs> okay, I'm getting, I mean, like, I mean, really nerdy with it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's also in Lethal Weapon 2. He's the one who gets shot in the head. As a, it's just been revoked, right? That's the same oh, diplomatic you know, immunity. It's, it's possible, yeah, yeah. And I remember my little brother... Having watched Mighty Ducks a million times, <laughs> oh and then catching <laughs> Lethal Weapon Two on TV, and they shot him, My brother was like, "No." <laughs>
0: <laughs> is, it, is it Joss Ackland? Is that uh, it very well reason, could be. For some reason, I associate him with Mighty Ducks, but
1: but uh, I, I think that's I think it's the same actor. Uh, I could be getting the movie. It was definitely that. Guy from Mighty Ducks in yeah. another movie. I think it was... Well, the I, rem- two. I
2: remember too. just behind-the-scenes documentaries. We kind of take them for granted now because every DVD and Blu-ray right. has kind of a making-of sort of thing yeah. on it. But they were kind of few and far between um, in the 90s when I was growing up. And I remember um, there was there was a couple that were really... Formative for me, the there was a there was a making of the thriller video, mm-hmm. and with uh, John Landis directed, yeah. and then years later I got to meet him and talk to him about it, and his his uh, wife Deborah is a brilliant instructor at UCLA um, that I got to take a couple classes with, um, but uh, another one and I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, it's amazing the making of the labyrinth no no oh my god it's what it to this day is one of the best making of i've ever seen it starts with david bowie in this awful 80s sweater in the studio singing you know uh dance, dance magic, magic dance. dance yeah i mean <laughs> and then goes into all like the puppeteers how the story came to be um just all this amazing working with, with kids, working with babies, working with animals, like all of this, all of this stuff that makes that movie that still really holds up as far as an amazing visual story. Um, I guess the visual, yeah.
1: I don't think it's a very good movie. No, no. But I came to it I, did a I doub- didn't watch it as a kid.
2: I did a double feature with um, NeverEnding Story and I was actually really pleased with how Labyrinth stood up, but like <laughs> very disappointed with how
0: the original NeverEnding Story it was like, oh, okay. Did, yeah. yeah. I'm sure a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. They probably at various ages yeah. uh, have have memories of like the first time that mm. they saw something in a movie that was like this is very depressing. Yeah, and the death of Artax uh-huh. yeah. tax. our is the yeah. Horse, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Are you ki- between that and the death of Auntie yeah. from uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids? It's just like this is. Oh yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. That it was, was so like so bad. Yeah, I was a very depressed kid. Yeah, <laughs> like all these all these animals, the, all they want to do is help. Yeah. You know, and then our tax get killed. You want to make a by good kids movie. Scorpion.
2: Yeah. Kill a, kill an
0: animal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now what is the first, it's <laughs> a weird transition. Well, it's, that is, that is like with jaws. That's how you like yeah. oh, the stakes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so what is the first film? And I, sorry, we wound up kind of getting on yeah. special effects. I'm going to stay there for a moment because That's okay. I, it's fun getting nostalgic. Um, what is the first film that like was like a special effects type of film that just like blew you away? It sounds like Jurassic Park was very formative. I mean, for there's, there's, there's a ton of
2: them. Like wizard of Oz, I mean, mm-hmm. was, was a big one, you know, when just that moment when she walks into the world of color, I, you know, not knowing anything about film history, right. you know, I just knew that was a big deal. You know, you could see that that was like a big deal. Yeah. Um, Labyrinth was a big one. Um, what were some some of the other ones I, I loved when I was a kid? The you, you guys were talking about it, I think, in your last episode, that animated version of The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, rem- I had I, a copy of that that wasn't a complete copy. It was, like, ripped from, sure. like, TV or something yeah. and started recording early <laughs> or too too late. Um, that one was, was really huge. Um, other than that, there was, like, a lot of... Um, like old westerns that my my like uh i remember watching uh this isn't a western but like um uh what's it called uh cool hand luke oh sure mm-hmm. cool hand luke um and uh butch Cassidy and sundance kid the spaghetti westerns with clint eastwood mm-hmm. silverado uh not silverado that uh, as a kid i don't think i've ever actually seen Silverado. Oh, it's worth was, watching yeah that
1: was one that i um used to i used to do this on just uh, you know, weekends home during the day, you know yeah. the, the local channel would be showing a block of movies or whatever, yeah. and I'd put in a tape and just sit there. Yeah and then edit, like try to edit out the commercials. So why are we watching the movie? And as soon as it went to commercial, I hit stop record. Yeah. As soon as it came back, I hit record. And then I'd have a tape that was like three yeah. movies edited for TV, but with no commercials. <laughs> and I could watch them. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> very conscious first viewing. Uh, like, yeah. When, yeah. And, and that time was it just uh, right. That was, uh, how I had Silverado taped off of TV and I would watch it. Over we, over. we had a copy of, uh, um, a Christmas
2: story that was uh-huh. done that way. And the best part of it is like, sometimes you'd forget, you know, and <laughs> so you get this, so you get this, uh, you jump into the middle of a scene, but you also get like these, uh, isotoner glove commercials from well, like that's, 91, 92. That's, that's the yeah. thing
1: is you're missing out on the commercial. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is something I didn't think of at the time. Yeah, but yeah. since like, I remember, um, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend had a tape of, um, the, Oh, what's the Ewoks movie? The battle of battle. Endor? Yeah. 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 Um, battle For
0: Endor, I think battle for
1: Endor. So yeah. she had that. And, we would watch it, not to watch the Ewoks movie, but to watch the old commercials. yeah. yeah. Because it had the pre-Seinfeld... George or Jason Alexander McDonald's commercial. Oh yeah, the McDlt. Yeah. Have you seen that commercial? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, he, like, yeah. Leads everyone in song. At first, yeah, he, like yeah. she was, and he's like, "Hey, are you guys tired of boring burgers in this town?" <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And he's like, "They're singing a song about <laughs> yeah. The McDlt." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, basically
0: the Music Man pulls, <laughs> pulls into <laughs> yes, exactly. town. Yeah. and the DLT. <laughs> Yeah, and it's Jason Alexander.
1: Oh, what a great! Commercial.
2: You know, you know what the first the first movie that I ever went back to the movie theater to see I saw it twice in movies uh, theaters. Just talking to my girlfriend about this was uh, Hook. Yeah, oh, that was a big one. That was a really big one. What
1: was yours? Mine was Little Mermaid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Hmm.
2: Oh, okay, that's a great that's, one. That's the one. Yeah. yeah,
0: I rewatched that one. That one holds up. That big one time. gets better as you go. Like, yeah, things. yeah. You know, like every like, you come to realize, oh, there's a lot of fun Los Angeles jokes. In, yeah, you know, yeah. Like the death of the red car, and just like uh-huh. you know, uh, getting to the you know this freeway, and it's like, oh, it'll be so beautiful. And <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, plus also it is disturbing at times judge doom is very disturbing right one thing that got me as a kid is like when he uh dips the shoe oh i think it's everybody yeah Yeah. um poor shoe i know it's just a happy shoe yeah it hasn't done anything it does seem to me that if i'm one of the people in that place i just want to be like uh judge doom i think you're under arrest because that is a living thing that you just (laughs) killed and it did nothing to you yeah uh but yeah it's uh murder laws don't apply to tunes oh yeah. well that's true <laughs> ah Judge Doom you're it's airtight this logic of yours yeah. <laughs> um but yeah and then like when he gets flattened out and it's just kind of and he just does his loud yeah. screaming and stuff yeah ah
1: yeah wonderful so, all right. How do we transition into obituaries? <laughs> oh, well, let's, 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 let's I've got it, yeah, I got some ground. Let's, to it, let's yeah. give it a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you uh, you come to Los Angeles. Uh, wh- when did you do that?
2: Yeah, um, I've been in uh, LA since about 2010. Okay, uh, September 2010. Uh, got into UCLA Film School for my masters, yeah. um, and um, you know before that I was uh, in undergrad. I went to Ohio State, and they actually they have a great film studies. Program there. That's what I got my undergrad degree in. Uh, but they didn't have film production, um, and so I was in this club in at Ohio State that I probably spent more time, you know, doing that than I than I was in class. Just making stuff on the weekends and, and doing these really small weekend short film projects, you know, all the time with my friends and just kind of teaching ourselves, like you know how to how to really sloppily put together, yeah. um, you know, a, a movie, um, and that. Ended up with like out of all of that like one okay short film um, that helped me get into UCLA and so I made the transition 2010 um, and it was uh, it was a really pretty amazing experience just because it was a lot of time just concentrating on making a movie um, to me there was kind of like two distinct sort of people at UCLA there's there's people that didn't know what kind of filmmaker they wanted to be and were trying to find out and there was people and I think I was in the second group that really knew what kind of films they wanted to make and they they wanted to really hone their craft and and you know just get better at being you know making that voice um unique and um you know good at what what we what we do and so I made a lot of friends um there still still work with them to this day but that's kind of where you know i made the, the the three short films that now are kind of like my my portfolio of short films um, first the 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 first year there was was just honestly like a series of failures of um, good failures in that like honing your craft learning what's what's working but you learn more about what doesn't work you know um in a couple of short films that that i did and the the big thing that i learned after my first year was you really do i mean it's it's cliche but you really have to write what you know Mm -hmm. um and that kind of led to uh, me writing and directing this film called last call that was very loosely based on um a relationship my father had with his best friend who had recently passed away and that was the first time where i really just stripped everything out of it that was there just for cool sake every you know like let's put a moving shot because moving shots are cool uh-huh. let's let's put a gun in it because guns are cool and uh, even though there is a gun in that movie but um, <laughs> it is it, framed really cool <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's, it's it's it was a matter of like really boiling down like, what is the essence of of a of a film you know and that was just two two guys like there's there's a third character in it for a scene but honestly it's you know 17 minutes Two these two characters what is their relationship what is their problem how do they solve it and you know really putting my own voice on them but also people that i knew like what would they you know say to each other setting it in my hometown and that kind of acted as like a base for okay this is a starting point now all of the things that came before this is just kind of you know disparate sort of facts about movies and facts about, um, movie making and stuff that I'm into, but not really connecting that tissue of, of what makes me as a filmmaker. And that was kind of like a, st- a
0: starting point film for me. Um, and that actually does, uh, lead into a, a question that I had and it's something that I do find fascinating. Yeah. What you're talking about is how a filmmaker decides that this is what I want to be because yeah. so many people. Yeah. Uh, will kind of dip their toe into like some kind of genre. It could be horror, yeah. it could be sci-fi or suspense or whatever. Uh, and then eventually they will realize that, oh, you know what, I really like character, I really like dialogue, yeah. I really like relationships, I think I'm actually going to focus on dramas yeah. uh, You know, or comedy or whatever. But they usually start with the more if you you know, if you'll pardon me, the more filmic, the more cinematic yeah. genres that allows them to like do more fancy things with the camera. Oh yeah. It sounds like you knew pretty quick, like, I want to explore relationships, I want to explore character. Like, how did you arrive there?
2: Well, I think I I learned that once I got to LA, I did okay. all of those mistakes back in, in undergrad of yeah. like, you know, I always make the joke that, you know, if you're um, a twenty-something uh, year-old white guy—you're just going to remake Reservoir Dogs seven times um, before you, you realize, like, oh, there's a different type of movie uh, out there. You know, everything's always like, you know, black suits and, and guns and robberies and stuff like that. And before long, it's like, okay, that movie's been done before. What do you have to say yeah. uh, that's unique? You know, um, for me, it was really came down to I think as, as in my early 20s it was about finding what my taste was Mm -hmm. and that's when you know i really started to dive heavily into um movies like uh, magnolia Mm -hmm. that was a huge movie for me it's still my favorite movie to this day um just the way that that's that's put together um royal tenenbaums was another one um where it was very character driven very um talky um you know a few good men was a, another big one because that was mm-hmm. the first time that I like read a screenplay and then watched mm-hmm. a movie mm-hmm. um you know just as part of like an assignment for class you know and then I also fell in love with like uh, film noir in my film studies courses right. so going back to um I remember the first time I saw double indemnity and it just rocked my world you know right. like it, like I watched that I think like three times in one week yeah. um and couldn't believe that something that old could be that um impactful and that and that you know um great of a story so going back to those like maltese falcon big sleep um laura um a couple of like you know the classic noirs and 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 those sort of styles and then visiting learning about the neo-noir sort of you know golden age movement in the 70s with like chinatown you know that was a that was a huge movie for me chinatown Mm -hmm. um and and learning like what about those movies made them good and made them important um is because they're reflections on society Mm -hmm. um essentially and that the the characters are they're character driven movies in that the plots being moved forward not by something that happens but by decisions that the characters are making and that was a huge realization and that was really I think what I learned in last call was oh I need to move story forward through the characters decisions not through you know a a plot device that we've seen a million times before it needs to be something unique needs to be decision based and so that was really what I learned on last call and then the next couple of years in film school is just kind of expanding on that and um, trying to find those relevant topics and writing what you know, maybe not in such a on the nose sort of constraint. I can't set every single film that I make in my hometown about people that I know. And so how do you make something that is you, what you know, yeah. but also a unique sort of character, maybe based in L.A., maybe based in another city, maybe based in sci-fi, whatever it is, you know.
0: And it's interesting that you say the idea of, well, you got to make something because you're saying, well, it can't be based in my hometown, yeah, which so you're thinking in terms of it needs to be a little bit broader, yeah, like after
2: that. last call it was like I gotta expand now like it's it's yeah. about you know last call you know i I love my hometown, but can i also can I make a movie as good as last Call if I'm not pulling so right. precisely from you know my 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 father or my hometown or where I grew up, and so um I started thinking a little bit about. Um you know social issues that were important to me, mm. and a big one was um, these these sort of public acts of violence you know and uh, you 're talking a little bit about um, you know the millennial generation. I think something that does define the millennial generation is that at every pivotal point in in my life there 's been one of these massive acts of violence, Columbine in high school, uh, Virginia Tech in college, um, you know in the dark night. Uh, Rises came out. Yeah, um, you know that was the first. That was the first thing. You know, you turn your cell phone back on after the movie's over, and there's all these news alerts about yeah. you know the Aurora shooting. Um, you know, and and so it's. I think that's something that's kind of to me anyway, is, is something that darkly defines my generation is growing up with that. And also the fact that we're getting kind of numb to it, that we're, that it's not as impactful. I'm not as scared as I was any, that when, when Columbine happened, and I mean that in a bad way. I mean that I'm, I'm becoming like a little bit apathetic to it. And so that's where kind of obituaries came from is dealing with this idea of, hey, I'm apathetic and I don't want to be. How do I fight it? How do I how do I stay conscious of it? And the answer is I don't know. And so Obituaries in a lot of ways is a film that I think asks a question as to, you know, it's not a political film, you know, st- saying like, here's the solution. You know, it's not taking like a, you know, red state, blue state sort of stance on anything. It's just yeah. a matter of like, this is a perspective sort of um, that I have on on these sort of matters. And like my biggest problem with them is that everyone you know nothing seems to be done about it because we're getting used to it
0: yeah. and you know? because it, it becomes such a uh, it becomes such a partisan thing you know, yeah it becomes like well we should do this about guns or we should do this about mental illness or yeah. whatever and pull and both sides really dig in their heels and say yeah. well this is what needs to be done the other side says i don't agree yeah and then uh, then the news then the next news cycle happens and yeah. We haven't, and nothing has been done. Yeah, and, and, and until and, the next one.
2: And another thing too is that um, I think we tend to, and I'm, I'm talking about myself, not just you know um, the media or anything, but we tend to quantify things, like where did they get the gun, how many guns right. were there, what size were the bullets, how many were dead, how many were injured, and these are just numbers, and it's like not one one. Bad thing happening to one person is is bad enough for us to just take yeah. a second to think about it to to, to sympathize or empathize, um, and that's kind of the idea is that it's it's a qualitative look at it. Who are these people? What do they stand for? What's good about these people? What's bad about these people? How do they, how do we relate to them? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of kind of where the idea for it um, came to be. And the idea of it being it, obituaries, I thought, was kind of an ironic sort of way of doing it because obituaries to me is it are, are so cold when you read them in the paper mm-hmm. um you see things like they enjoyed sports and uh um <laughs> you know these they, was a member of his local lions Cl- you know yeah. like stuff that's like very surface level facts about the person that doesn't encompass their life at all and so that was kind of the idea is that all right what if you took that language yeah. that mode that we're all kind of used to of, of how an obituary reads but talk about something incredibly personal about these characters
0: now david during, it, it, okay so i'm going to put you in charge of my obituary. I need you to make sure <laughs> everyone knows how many podcast awards I've been nominated for. Okay, for my, for my other show, because um, that's personal. It's not you know, and it's something. Sure, sure, proud of, not sure. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So, uh, uh, do you want to? How, how do you? For the listeners, yeah can you describe how do you describe obituaries
2: obituaries is um a series of vignettes um about the victims of a school shooting that have that have were killed in a school shooting and it's the vignettes are done in the style of an obituary but instead of learning those surface level sort mm-hmm. of facts you learn about kind of secrets that they had so what, what was the last thought that they had before they died mm-hmm. who are they leaving behind who was their family who are some people that they hurt who are some people that they love um it's kind of the good the bad the ugly mm-hmm. about people um, that no one else would know um, and so it's seven vignettes kind of talking about that seven obituaries um all about that so we go we do one on the shooter but we also do one about, um, about you know his teacher about the the other students in the classroom one person that doesn't have anything remarkable at all mm-hmm. about them you know and, mm-hmm. and just like it's an effort to kind of take a really like I said, humanistic view on, on these, these sort of things and not necessarily talk about the reasons that they happen or the, you know, like gun violence or that sort of thing. Just, just kind of like looking at them as a tragedy and, and taking a different sort of perspective on, you know, what, what kind of impact they have on our culture.
0: And without, you know, it's, it, I'm not going to use the word spoilers cause it's not that kind of movie. Yeah. But, um, but without revealing too much, I will say that as I started watching it, I realized like, uh Oh, but oh, in a good way. Yeah, it's like oh, this this but this uh, movie is pushing one of my pleasure buttons, which is I love. It was something that I in in college I I always wanted to write a story about like something terrible. Some I think at the time it was the idea of like a a convenience store robbery gone yeah. wrong and people wind up dead, and then you see like the three or four people. You see yeah. it almost in a Rashomon kind of way, but more just like what led them to this point. Right. Uh, and then like with the people that are dead, like what are they now giving up? Right. And so when I realized that's what this is going to be, I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I love it so much. But what I really what I really enjoy is that each story is a little bit different. Like mm. There is a, a character that you mentioned. Uh, it's a it's like there's not really much. For, to talk about yeah. and that's not to say that he's not important it's yeah. just that his life is has been probably okay to this point yeah. he hasn't done that much and there's but there's still stuff that he's obviously passionate about yeah. um and it just uh and I think to me one of the best one of the things that I really liked about it is when it is revealed exactly uh who the narrator is yeah. because you think it's going to be one of the you know one of these things but it winds up being something else yeah. that I think is not a, it's not accusatory like yeah. the, the film is not accusatory it's more just sort of a uh if you'll pardon me a, a mournful meditation on this as oh, that's to, that's
2: perfect it's yeah. like
0: wake up yeah. uh yeah. You know, oh quizzling <laughs> or whatever wake up. Yeah. so um and so yeah uh now real quick um before we uh talk more about the film and then more about yeah. other things uh so obituaries is going to be available online when and where
2: yeah um june 6th monday june 6th um you know ideas it'll be there all day we're trying to uh, promote it get it out on vimeo it'll be for free um and the idea is just to get it kind of out there it's had a great festival run the last two years been in all over the country um great response to it and now it's now it's time to kind of just put it out there um in in the public eye and and for people to enjoy and people to comment on and and hopefully it'll get the idea is to get a conversation started about it you know non non-political more personal yeah. humanistic sort of conversation about the topic so so
1: what do people search on on vimeo um you could
2: you can search me ryan ryan moody um i have a profile with a couple videos on there um i think if you search obituaries i think it's pretty if you should if you also go to my website it's uh moodymovies.com uh there'll be a link there as oh, well there go. yeah That's a good way yeah moodymovies.com uh and there'll be a link for obituaries right there
0: and i think just you know to to help out, maybe I'll, we'll post it like on our Facebook page or something. Oh, like that'd be that, great. So. Good, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and it'll be. I mean, it's probably available. When you're listening to this, because this episode's going yes, up. that's true. The fifth. So oh, it's probably yeah. whole, perfect. Uh, perfect epic. timing. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. And there's also if you're interested in if you're if you watch or listen on the on the fifth and it's a day before, there's also like a making of. <laughs> we were just talking about making ofs. Mm-hmm. There's a making of on my Vimeo page as well, and also mm-hmm. uh, a couple. There's an interview with um, uh, one of the one of the stars of the of the film. Well, well let's, let's go, go ahead and say <laughs> yeah that it's is. James yeah. Franco. Yeah, there's yeah. an interview with James Franco uh, so, on my website.
0: So noted well. Oscar host, yeah. uh, James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's dabbling in acting now,
1: yeah. which is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, um, how did that? How, so how did that come come to be? Jim Franco was, was the narrator and one of the
2: one of the. Characters. Yeah, it uh, it happened at UCLA. He was. Um, this was kind of serendipitous in that he, before I moved, I lived in Denver briefly before I moved to LA and, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I lived there for about uh, 11 months. I lived in golden for a few months in in Denver. Yeah. Um, but in, in the house that I was living in, it was, it was a lot of people that had just graduated from college that were kind of in that sort of transition period. And it was a great time in my life, but it was also, there was this, this debate that I I don't know how it got started. I think it was, I actually think it was Batman or I'm sorry, the dark Knight. it was this debate of high art versus low art um in the house um you know and is is it responsible to turn low art or into high art what is low art what is high art you know and and, and everything and it was this very like divisive sort of debate that was going on in the five with the five people that were living in the house and at the, that time um franco uh started being on um general hospital mm-hmm. Which was great fuel for those that, uh, to that fueled this debate. But it, it, it made me think of, of art and specifically cinema and television and all these different ways, uh, or ways of media getting out there in a very, very different way. Fast forward a couple years, um, Franco starts teaching at UCLA. And, uh, there's a class, it's a relatively small class. They're taking, I think at the time it was eight directors total, um, for the course. And you had to write this essay and that's what I wrote the essay on was this sort of time where this high, high, low art debate was happening and how much of a impact that like he had made on that conversation. So that's what got me into the class.
0: Now we can, uh, get back to James Franco in yeah. a moment, but, but you have, uh, pushed another pleasure button <laughs> okay. because we do talk about middle bro- low brow middle brow high brow uh on the show. Oh yeah. Um, and it is it's uh something that it's it's a conversation that pops up I'm going to say a couple times a year yeah. on here. Yeah. And so um obviously you don't need to recite your entire essay yeah. but I'm I'm curious to know like uh what were some of the different arguments that you had with your friends and then where did you ultimately I land? think
2: it started with uh, one of my roommates thought it was irresponsible of the dark night To have a political message about surveillance in it because it's. um, Batman is a character that um, is essentially either either for kids or for people that are consuming media with not such a critical perspective. And I took a, I took a pretty strong stance against that, that like, that's what makes that movie so good is that it's elevating a character that we all know and love in our sort of American mythology and making it relevant to today's culture. Mm -hmm. Um, talking about issues like, well, you know, where where does the line between freedom and security stand i thought that was one of the coolest things about that movie was that oh my god this is a this is an intelligent film mm-hmm. about a comic book character and for me like comic books were a big part of my childhood a big part of you know this this american mythology that we all have you know why not take that and use it as an avenue to kind of make us think a little bit more critically. Like I've always enjoyed movies that ask a question rather than make a like, you know, strong state. Like you said, yeah. like wake up, you know, it's like those, those aren't really what I, what I, um, gravitate to. It's more the movies that make you think a little bit afterwards, make you ask a question afterwards a little bit more. Um, and so that's kind of what started that debate. And then for uh, James, it was, I, I think he was, he was having some, pretty critical success at that point i don't think 127 hours had come out just yet but i think it was about to it was right around that yeah it was right around that time so he was it was at his kind of like critical success he was being considered you know a a very good actor at that time he had had, had won the james dean uh emmy or golden globe Hmm. um already um and so he was he was considered an a-list actor you know or at least pretty close to it
0: right around then like, yeah, uh, I think his performance in Milk really jumped. Yeah, before. as well, was, Milk. Yeah, two thousand eight. Gus Van Yeah, right. So I um, think, yeah, that was probably like the height of his, yeah. like respectability and visibility yeah. and fame level.
2: And so for him to go on a soap opera, yeah. which is, I think, widely considered low art. You know, I don't think they're. You know, I'm telling stories out of school for people to think it's <laughs> that. And um, I think it's. I think it was a great way for people to kind of think about the way they consume media because because the idea was like it's ridiculous that james franco is on general hospital but then the second thought Having
0: is a character named Frank. Franco, Franco, <laughs> yeah
1: yeah <laughs> i know I great stuff like that, that.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah but the idea is like the second like that's your first thought this is ridiculous the second thought is why is this ridiculous mm-hmm. because everyone else is an actor on that show you know like they're 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 they take their job seriously. Yeah. They take their character seriously. The directors on that show take their job seriously. Like, what about this makes it essentially, you know, what we're talking about, low art? Right. And so. I love that kind of questioning of, you know, mixing media and you know, you were talking about Ed Wood a little bit um a little bit ago. That's a great movie for me because that exact same question is that well here's a considered by a lot of people a high art film about a low art filmmaker. Yeah. So that kind of irony is is great, but also like making people think about, you know the fact that there's, there's nothing wrong with liking, you know, one type of cinema versus another, it's all, it's all has something to offer if it's, if it's done with a sense of kind of sincerity and a sense of, you know, appreciation for the, for the form. And so that, that was kind of, you know, that was a a big thing for me. You know, that was essentially what I wrote my essay on that that's what got me into the class. And then, um, once, once I was in the class, um, you know, I was—I think I was a very kind of vocal student in, in the course, and I think that um, you know James and I—we um, saw a lot of things eye to eye, but even more so, the things that we disagreed on, I think, brought us kind of hmm. more interestingly together. We like to sort of—he's—he's he's a very organic um, kind of fly by the sea of your pants sort of filmmaker. I'm more everything's in the preparation of it, very structured sort of filmmaker, kind of formal filmmaker. Um, And so I think when we, you know, in the class, I asked them to be in this, this film called A Walk in Winter, which we made in the class. Um, That experience, it was, it was good because we, I think we both knew, what we liked about each other and also what we kind of disagreed with as far as form but that we always had this sort of conversation going as to like what was good what was you know and it it was essentially that same conversation Mm -hmm. and it was trying sometimes because he he is so kind of prolific with how many projects he takes on he'll take on anything honestly um and for me at that point being kind of wanting to do having a little bit more um discerning like myself like i said like finding my own voice what do i want to do and i think it was a, i think it was a great sort of challenge and it really to to me you know i asked him after the class was over he asked me to be his ta the following year in the course and i asked him to to be in obituaries and he said he said yes and he's been a great supporter of the film ever since
0: hmm. that's great yeah yeah there's definitely a philosophy to him that i that i really respect like the idea of being on a soap opera many, yeah. many people would look down on that and it's just like well if you're an actor yeah soap opera is such a such a specific style of acting that you really won't find a lot of other places right. yeah. and so it's an opportunity to kind of stretch stretch yourself as an actor because yeah. Just because people look at these and don't take them seriously doesn't mean it's still not working. Yeah. I'm sure there's any number of great actors that wouldn't be able to act in that style. Yeah. And they would stick out like a sore thumb.
2: Well, and it's also, I think, that so much of that style is um, created by the demands of they don't have a ton of money. They yeah. definitely don't have a lot of time. They might be shooting an entire episode in a day, you know? And so the reason that a lot of that. Um, style is, is defined that way is because it needs to be done in a single take or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, all this whole whole scene in one take or, you know, that's why it's kind of done a little bit, not as beautifully as a, as a piece of cinema that might take, you know, six months to, to, to shoot, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, so, okay. So just to make sure, because we really want to, we really want people to see obituaries, (laughs) um, and then we can move on to some, some more broad topics. Um, it's available on the fifth. You can find it's it on, on Vimeo. It's on the sixth. On the sixth, pardon. Yeah, yeah, this episode goes up on the fifth. Yeah,
1: uh, it's available on the sixth. This uh, episode is not obituaries. You're getting wait a second the podcast episode in <laughs> the short film. <laughs> mixed up wait and our guest is
0: james franco <laughs> that's no no true. No. No, Who no i no. was a ta for <laughs> no yeah. for you or yeah okay all right i you will I be it. a
2: ta for yeah
0: <laughs> i'm i'm this, it's something that you know i i don't make movies or anything like this but i i still have plenty of ideas for movies that i want to see and one yeah. is that i i really like the idea um of the guy who really can't tell anything apart. And the minute a piece of information comes into his head, it is equal to every other piece of information and they all just get mixed up. Uh, there was a, I wanted to incorporate this into a review. I don't know how I'm going to do it because I think it takes a better writer. And I, David, I told you about this one time where, uh, a guy where I would write a negative review of a movie and it becomes quick. It becomes apparent probably about paragraph two or three. It's like, wait a second. He's incorporating his film-going experience, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as though it were the film. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like there's this one weird moment when like everything everything stops and suddenly we're in a bathroom it's <laughs> like but then the action starts again probably about a minute and a half later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that was a weird that's a very avant-garde film. Yeah. And uh and recently I uh so I was going to uh wow, this is really personal. I was going to have a, like a medical procedure recently. Yeah. that was going to be deeply unpleasant. Um, and thankfully I got a sort of a stay of execution on that, which was great. Okay. But later that day I was going to be seeing X-Men apocalypse. Okay. I remember thinking like, boy, I feel bad for X-Men apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I am going to, Down I'm right going to be, now. I'm going to take it, take everything yeah. out on that. And then I thought, wouldn't it be funny if you just, if I just start talking yeah. about what this procedure was going to be yeah. as though X-Men apocalypse did it to me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I sorry, that was a a, yeah. a, a sidetrack. Well I
2: I think that I think there's something to be said about your movie going experience having a real effect on the movie itself. Yeah. Especially now, um my friends are gonna laugh at this one, but I'm, I'm constantly like I'm always the guy that says turn your phone off in sure. theater. Like like without fail. Like if it's during playback at all, like I don't care what, what it is, it's like mm-hmm. turn your phone off. And now people are getting these Apple watches. And the Apple Watches turn on and off on their own. Hmm. Like they, like hmm. they don't even have to be like looking at their watch, and it'll just like this little light
0: will come up. Ugh. Oh, it drives me crazy, man. Yeah. And I do like that for a, that when I think it was AMC, yeah. the the vice president of AMC or something, who talked about the idea of having having like screenings or being okay with like yeah, mobile at their friendly. Yeah. Yeah and uh and i'm glad that that lasted about 12 seconds like everybody's, everybody <laughs> everybody yeah. from filmmakers to audiences everyone said like this is the worst thing you can ever do yeah. and he even i think he was on some kind of panel yeah. and he was defending he's like well we're, we want to live in the 21st century and all that and everyone just shut him down yeah. and and i think they actually i think AMC had to like put out a statement yeah. saying like it was we great. we've heard you don't worry <laughs> this yeah.
1: isn't going to happen
2: no i'm 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 for the you know the draft house policy like mm-hmm. phone comes out you're out of the theater you Here's know the idea. Yeah.
1: Here's what we need. Right now, you go to a theater, AMC yeah. theater. You've got an armrest, right? <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. can either choose to have up or down. You want to yeah. hold your, uh, you know, your sweetheart's hand or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you have it up. <laughs> your best girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Special <sweet>. lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or your beau. You know, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one way or another. Your number one fella.
0: I, we can all agree that you're sharing a milkshake. You
1: both have straws. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm going to take that to the extreme. Here's what AMC needs is entire enclosures around every seat oh, okay. where you can choose to like okay I'm going to take down the wall but every like row has a hood over it and then has like walls that can come down in between the something seats something private in case you want to pull your phone up. yeah off. so that person like you know what as long as no it doesn't bother my viewing experience yeah, yeah. I was
0: uh, I thought you were going to say that in every armrest there's like an uh, an EMP option like an electromagnetic yeah. pulse yeah. that you push it <laughs> and, and
2: all the phones and an eject an yeah. eject button or something? oh that's an yeah. option too yeah <laughs> it literally ejects you from the theater yeah then
0: you, then you're it's, it's like this fucking now i have to stop paying attention to the movie so i can find exact so i right. can work out exactly what scene yeah. i want to eject oh yeah. no, that was the wrong one. Oh well
2: yeah <laughs> it'd be interesting to incorporate into into a review sure.
0: but halfway through the movie some one of the yeah. people next to me went flying through the air <laughs> yeah
1: uh
0: but i found the movie got a lot better <laughs> after that
1: <laughs> um all right i hope i hope the amc guy is listening because i think my idea is gold i think it's a uh, license to print money well what do you have uh, you guys uh, talked about a
0: screening room uh wait in what sense
2: the the new um it comes out the same day, uh, for like 50 bucks and you like, and oh, that sort
0: of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: That you can Sean yeah, Parker's is, sort of brainchild. I don't
0: think I know what this is. The, oh
1: really? It is that the day i like a major studio release the same day mm-hmm. it comes out in theaters. You can also rent it on demand, but oh, it's like for 50, a lot of to money, right? 50 to $70. It's like something like yeah. that. That's but right. the, the
2: idea is to not necessarily like, Oh, home viewing you singular. You could do that if you had 50 bucks that you could, you know, put out but the idea is that like trying to create these these mini communities of so you're not necessarily going to a movie theater but you're having like 10 friends over to yeah. watch a so it's movie like a
0: pay-per-view kind of sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah like
2: creating like a pay-per-view sort of situation yeah.
0: it's, uh what has been the response to that so there's like uh
2: james cameron thinks it's a terrible idea uh-huh. and peter jackson thinks it's a great idea spielberg i think is behind
0: it okay i think i'm on board I think I'm on board because it does, it acknowledges that film going can still be communal. Yeah. Uh, you're still paying a lot of money for it. Yeah. I do. I could see the studio is not getting behind because I feel like there's probably a high yeah. uh, risk of, yeah. you know, pirate, pirate pirating history. and stuff yeah. like that. But. I think I'm I think I'm okay with it your thoughts. It's it's interesting to me
2: because there is something very almost like a religious experience about going to a mm-hmm. movie theater for me and I don't want to lose that. Yeah. But that being said, it does drive me crazy when I'm the only one in the theater that's acting like that. So, like talking about like the AMC situation yeah, yeah. when everyone has their phones out or somebody's got their you know feet up next to my head like during during a thing. Like the way that people kind of revere the cinema is not the same anymore. Yeah. And so, if it's going to help with that by making it, or maybe it's a smaller community of people, but we're all like actually watching the film, yeah. you know. And I, I've already kind of done that. Now that TVs kind of moved in that direction, like, like on-demand TV. And I remember. Like, like, Like when Lost was on, like everyone just getting together to watch like an episode of Lost or like right now, Game of Thrones, um, people still come over my house to watch, you know, Game of Thrones. And there is like a a special sort of, oh, this wasn't really, I mean, I guess it was popular before on demand TV, but it was like, you really had to get your schedule right. You know, now it's like you can, you know, have dinner. Somebody could be an hour late, somebody, you know, and you could pause it and yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So I think there's something to it. I just, I hope I don't lose the ability to to when I want to go to a movie theater
1: I still think that that sort of thing just like yeah. there aren't as many record stores as there are, yeah. there are still record There's still record stores, stores. To be to yeah. about it. I yeah. feel like that's maybe the kind of thing where theater going might yeah. become a more of a, a niche thing. Yeah, uh, but it will be
2: paid. And I lot. honestly don't mind if like chains like AMC go go down. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> it's more about like you guys always talk about the Egyptian theater. Uh-huh. I love that theater. I love uh, ArcLight Hollywood, especially the Dome. Um, you know, there's like there's these. See,
1: th- I don't like the
2: Dome.
0: I've never been in it i it's
1: you've never been in the dome
2: wow i think it's good for event films when it's full i don't like going to the dome in like week six of something and it's like you and yeah 20 other people and it's like wow this is this is cavernous you know i
1: think i saw like uh disturbia in the dome on like a weekday (laughs) afternoon and there's like three people in the entire dome (laughs) yeah that's that's not what the dome's for i think it's like (laughs) more for an event
0: (laughs) disturbia though
1: yeah
2: um, but you know, like the, some of these, you know, we live in Hollywood, and some of the best movie theaters in in the world are are here, and I would hate to see them go away. Yeah. If it's if it's gonna if it's it's a matter of like a chain going away, I'm not I'm not super opposed to that idea. Yeah. I, I
0: uh,
2: it's more it's, it's more about these like you know like a, these cathedrals to cinema. I just don't want, want them to ever you know fade.
0: Here is actually my. I'm. I'm reminded of a, a time that I was. I was interning at a company called Angry Films. Uh, it was a very small company, yeah. but they would. They would. Be. It was one of those things where they would become attached to a movie, and they'd be like one of eight production, yeah. small production companies right. associated with. It. Like they were part of Transformers, as was as were like a number of other companies. Yeah. But anyway, while I was there, so but they also did produce movies on their own, but they were always very small, and. Um, and I do recall uh, hearing my boss talk about uh, a movie called While She Was Out, which stars Kim Basinger. It was directed mm. by his wife, so it was very it, it was a, a very yeah. small film. Uh, and as they were talking about it, they were talking about how it, how yeah, it's not going to do great in theaters. We're not really putting much into that, yeah. but it'll do really well on home video, and it will play well on home video. Yeah. So I think actually my the one. One of the objections I might have to the uh, screening room thing is that you might actually get directors, obviously not yeah. Tarantino or anybody like that, but you might get directors who are directing more for screening room yeah, just as people direct for home video right. more right. than an actual uh, theater, theatrical experience. But that's yeah.
2: very... Uh, well, that's actually that's really interesting because, I mean, it's funny because the kind of filmmaker I want to be is a cinema filmmaker you know like something that's made to be watched in a in a in a theater that being said you know this release for obituaries it's a it's a video release and it's just a lot of it's a lot of it's the of it's the the reality how many more cinema filmmakers there's going to there's going to be if you think about big sort of filmmakers in the last kind of 10 15 years you can kind of count jj abrams but jj abrams got his start in tv yeah um for me it's like Christopher Nolan was really the last recent, you know, blockbuster cine- cinematic big filmmaker hmm. to come out in a long time to make like his his mark on like cinema the art form.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, there's a lot of great filmmakers that, that can come out, but they've always been more in the independent realm. Like Jeff Nichols, for example. Sure. I think he's great, right? And he came out after. Christopher Nolan but his movies comparatively are much small small enough that yeah. it's not going to you're not missing anything by not seeing it in a movie theater where it's like if you if you go to see Interstellar and you're watching it at yeah. at home I mean there's a big difference
1: between that and the dome you know or something uh, I'm going to go ahead and preemptively shed a tear for the inevitable Jeff Nichols directed superhero movie uh, you think it's going it to happen I think he'd be okay I think he'd yeah. be
0: okay with it I mean Midnight Special I
1: really like I haven't seen it yet Not really yet, re- I do I,
0: I like the way he uses special effects yeah. in uh, Take Shelter, Take Shelter yeah. you right, know yeah. so I think he could do okay with it yeah. yeah maybe he could do one like like the movie Super
1: <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. I which I, is, I meant like a franchise, yeah. yeah which yeah. is a
0: much better uh, superhero movie for me than Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? Yeah. Mm. Uh but i ne- It's I'm great double feature. Yeah. yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> um but uh yeah, and and while I you know, foolishly maybe idealistically, uh I feel like every movie even if it was made with like home video on yeah. like every movie will probably be better in the theater. Yeah. But you know what that's pro- that now that I say that I don't think that's true because there's, there are some mistakes that if you, some yeah. mistakes are just a visual choice that when you get, when you make it bigger, yeah. it's just like, Ooh, I, well, I can't ignore that anymore. There's,
2: there's some, and there's a lot of movies that I would never have seen in the theater just because of the slates that happen every weekend. You know, yeah. I, I go to one a week and I think I go, you know, probably more often than most people do once a week. I think is, you know, more than a lot. Um, but I also probably watch two, at home a week mm-hmm. and i would have never seen bone tomahawk last year you know yeah. in the theater if, if that was my only choice Man. it's one of my favorite movies i saw last it's, it's year
0: wonderful yeah
2: love that movie love that movie um Do you wish you'd seen it in the theater i wish now i would seen. have but yeah. it was also like if that was going to go up against you know something that that is more of like a theatrical movie for me probably going to go see that but
0: wouldn't you want to watch that scene <laughs> now with a group of people the the what was theater his beautiful
2: oh, nick you know right at, yeah. yeah yeah poor nick I, poor I, nick poor nick <laughs> oh yeah yeah one of the glorious scenes yeah. i would say i would say it's the goriest ever. scene i've ever I, I, i've never seen here's the thing about it is that there's a there's a lot of movies where it's life or death stakes yeah that is so gruesome of a of a death that it it raises the stakes so far beyond i mean i was in my girlfriend and i were were on the floor just like watching it like terrified terrified of like what could possibly happen to kurt russell you know like the stakes are so high at that point you guys
1: guys making me want to watch it less now oh (laughs) it's so so good it's it's so
2: good
0: it's so marvelous i
2: think it's like yeah,
0: I think it's maybe my favorite Kurt Russell performance. Richard Jenkins is amazing. It's my it's, favorite it's,
2: Richard Jenkins for sure. Yeah. It's,
0: insen- it's like a wonderfully written script. Yeah. And what's more is that gory scene, because we don't, and we just said who it happens to, Nick. But you're, you're going to know that when you go in. Poor there, Nick. That like, <laughs> Nick's not long for this <laughs> world, uh-huh. and he's not going to go out well. But <laughs> even the way they write even the, the the lines right before that yeah. are so meaningful. They actually give yeah. like Nick, who's not a super developed character. Yeah. They give him even his own little moment yeah. of like trying to comfort someone else. It's so that yeah. when when we eventually see this, we were always like, I think I actually have a general idea of who Nick yeah. is now, and so what's happening to him is so much worse yeah. uh, than if he was just some throwaway character. Yeah, I'm scared to watch this movie. You've got. Oh to watch yeah, you should game. be. Yeah. <laughs> you should
2: both. Of, you should be scared and yeah. also watch it. Yeah. yeah, be very afraid. Yeah,
0: uh, but always be moving forward. Yeah. always be closing and just. And <laughs> but that's the thing that should tell you anybody who's seen Bone Tomahawk. All yeah. I have to say is. That scene, yeah. and everyone knows exactly what I'm talking
2: about. Yeah, they, well, yeah, it's just like, have you seen Bowen and Tomahawk*? And they don't even say yes; they just go, "Oh, yeah, yeah."
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll give a look like you just said, "Hey, I was, I went to Vietnam. Did you?" Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Like they have this thousand-yard stare. Yeah, but it's an
2: excellent, excellent movie that I one, wouldn't have the opportunity to see if it was just available in the theater. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's, and also like, there's movies that I think are are really made for this online release. You know, what was it, the the overnight with uh, Jason Schwartzman? Oh, I did not yeah. see it. Yeah, that one. It's like I saw it. It's like seven eight minutes it's very it's very short Mm -hmm. and i think i would my opinion of it would be much harsher if i saw that in a theater i to me i saw
1: it in a screening room and i didn't think much of it so maybe yeah yeah i mean just like kind of
2: you know like on on a couch end of the day end of the work day you don't want to like you know do much else but you're not ready to go to bed turn that on it's actually pretty funny you know but i don't think it would it would hold up to you know, a bigger sort of, and then it was also like shot very, re- you know, very conservatively one locate rel- relatively one location, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's like, well, that movie would have never, I don't think been made if this venue wasn't available to it and I enjoyed it and it's allowing, you know, these, these artists to, you know, the writer director um, actors to kind of express themselves. Um, you know, so I think there's, there's positives to it. I think the, the, the downside is I would hate for anything to ever be taken away because of screening room. You know, if it's going to, if it's going to empower people more power to it, you know,
1: we kind of already seen uh, something you just uh, said, made me think of when you talked about venue. I don't know if you heard, if you heard like Steven Soderbergh talk about behind the candelabra and how like that was a movie that he wanted to make as a theatrical yeah. movie but like the major studios were like this is too gay or this, yeah. this is too like yeah it, it wasn't the it, it, it ended up being an hbo movie because yeah. that, that was where, a great hbo movie and, yeah. and, and yeah. that was where it was allowed to be made and that's yeah. so i feel like um we're already kind of bl- blurring those yeah movies. and i
2: think i think it's a matter of accepting you know it, it all, a lot of it just comes down to to money for these these mm-hmm. movies and if you look at the 90s there was around awards season there was Probably twelve to twenty, you know, middle budget movies, uh-huh. and that's what we're seeing go away. Is the middle budget movies like a right. like a thirty to forty million dollar big star, but dramatic acting sort sort of film? There's there's still a couple of them, you know, and David O. Russell's still doing you mm-hmm. know his mm-hmm. thing with them, um, you know, and. Tarantino is kind of doing although his his budgets are keep going up and up and up. Yeah. Um but you know you, you know what I mean like those kind of like yeah, yeah, um yeah. like actory dramatic Films, you're not seeing a ton of those anymore with with A-list stars. All the A-list stars are in these tentpole, either action movies or sometimes they'll they'll go and, and do like an indie vehicle. Yeah, they're kind yeah. of
1: yeah, they're they're, they're seesawing. Yeah.
2: And so that's and that's that's kind of the scary thing for me because that's where I kind of want to live as a filmmaker uh-huh. is I want to make those you know middle budgets dramatic, actory sort of sort of pieces. And you know Paul Thomas Anderson, like I said, he's a, he's one of my favorites. You know, and he's still doing them. And there's still a few people out there still making those. And I'm just hoping and that those stick around just long enough for me to, to to maybe make one or two but we'll see
1: yeah i mean as yeah. long as there's people you know you as long as, long as there's people like uh, megan ellison and, and yeah. Annapurna, you know who um funds yeah
2: yeah like anapurna is putting Anderson's out some great and, stuff yeah. um twenty four is another company that's still that's still doing a lot of those um focus features you know and it's just a, it's a it's a matter of i think Yeah. Like keeping that sort of alive and well is, you know, that's, that's the only, I think the the biggest threat that the screening room makes is, is to, I think that type of film, you know, but I mean, the the other end of it, there's a lot of positives too. a lot of indie films that would never get made. So who knows? Yeah.
1: Well, we said we would go an hour it's yeah. been an hour it's, it's been, been, an been an hour already yeah, yeah it's wow. been over an hour yeah. actually these um, things fly by yeah. i always like when someone's like
0: already yeah it's just like all right we're doing our job
1: yeah <laughs> uh- but no this uh this is great i feel like we had t- touched on some great conversations yeah. that we should we should have you back to talk about these things that oh, i'd uh, love flesh to them out and talk about them more length but yeah. we also had a great conversation about obituaries which, which people mm-hmm. can find uh probably now if not now then tomorrow the 6th yeah. <laughs> um uh, on Vimeo or by searching what well, MoodyMovies dot com. Yes, MoodyMovies.com. dot com. Um, so, Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. This was really fun. Absolutely. Um, real quick, you can find us at BattleshipPretension.com dot com or um, email us at David at BattleshipRetention dot com or or Tyler at BattleshipRetention dot com. You can find us on Snapchat at BattleshipPretension with no vowels. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it yet, but that's where we are um this look uh you know what this is right here gen x versus millennials we are playing out you are a little uh, bit younger than me (laughs) yeah the cutoff Um, is
0: that little six month
1: (laughs) mark (laughs) um so uh yeah you can you can find us in all all those places or on twitter at davy pretension or at tyler pretension tyler's other podcast is called more than one lesson um, you don't yeah. really know what's going on.
0: Like. I, we're recording this far enough in advance that I don't really know what we're doing. But I can say that recently we have talked about The Lobster. Um, we've talked about that was The an Revenants interesting one. and Chappie. The Lobster, I, uh, the lobster, as of right now,
1: I believe, is my favorite movie of the year. Have you seen really? yeah. like the recent like trailers for The Lobster? I have not. Where they're trying to make it seem like sort of a goofy romantic comedy type of thing. Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. Obviously, uh that's incorrect. Yeah. But I kind
0: of love it because yeah. I want people to be like, "Oh, it's a romantic comedy. I'll go in and watch." I it. do
2: like when I go into a movie having a completely wrong impression from yeah. the trailer. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's that's that. Um my other podcast is called "Hey, watch this. I don't know what's coming up this week." Um because we're recording so far in advance, yeah. our most, most recent episode will be about Nashville and Preacher. That's uh, the one we're recording. Um, I got to be on set on Preacher.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. That was a that was a really cool experience. Dominic Cooper's is, is amazing on that show.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, saw the, I saw the pilot, um, yeah. obviously, because it's aired at this yeah. point. Two episodes have aired at this point, yeah. but uh, only one has aired at the point of yeah. this recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, time travel. Yeah. Uh, so that's called Hey, Watch This. You can find all of it at Um Ryan, where can people find you other than MoodyMovies.com? Do you have a, a, a Twitter
2: Um, Uh, yeah. At Ryan B Moody. Um, and that's also my Instagram handle. You can find me there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm teaching at Emerson, Los Angeles now. Um, just wrapping up at studio four, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, there's probably be some more classes coming up too.
1: All right. Exciting. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you guys for having me. This was really fun. I agree. Uh, thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.